Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Josh Brown, you can't tell me what you're playing right now. I really want to, but I really can't. You just can't do it. For a few more weeks Playing yet. a super secret release that we can't even talk about whether it's good or bad. We'll not talk about it that much, but usually on the wind-up, which is, you know, welcome to the wind-up. I'm Scott Telford. That's Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Telford. Welcome to another week of video games where the industry has very little going on, but there's a few little tidbits, little tiny Pikmins of news that we are pulling out of the brush to talk about. Speaking of. Go on. I have a question to ask you. Yes. What is a Pikmin? <laughs> a Pikmin is a tiny little creature and that comes in a variety of different forms, whether it be fire-resistant, ice-resistant, water-resistant, etc., that um, sort of just appear out of the ground. They that come sounds... out of onions, but the onions are called flawlicks, which I guess makes them more like a gar- garlic clove. Everyone's been talking about Pikmin yeah. 4 this weekend. Including and me. I'm, I'm, you're exactly so right. Good. Pikmin 4 is really good. And I'm just wondering, like, how have I missed this my entire life? Because it seems like the cutest thing in the world. I, I don't think they're that person. I don't think they're that cute. Oh, like, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a Kirby guy. I love, I love cute really like cutesy kawaii type stuff, but I can't, I, the Pikmin look weird, man. Their eyes are a bit too wide. They don't seem like they blink. That's why they're, they're just, cute. I don't think they are. I think they're, <laughs> they're planning world domination, but I, yeah, the original Pikmins, um, obviously GameCube franchise, whatever. I didn't have a GameCube. I never went back to the Pikmins when they re-released the first three on Switch. Right. And then now Pikmin 4 was out. I picked that up because I picked it up because I was like, I should good. see what this is. Um, and Pikmin 4 is is extremely good. I'm not going to talk about that too much, but it's very good. Well, this is the thing, right? Mm. You say obviously a GameCube franchise. Yeah. That wasn't obvious to me. Maybe I had no not. idea I, I where this thing has come from. I know it's been <laughs> a thing. thing. I've heard the word Pikmin used before, uh-huh. but suddenly everyone's playing it, and I just kind of think, is this another Nintendo thing it is. that I missed out on yes. when I was growing up? Oh, watching? it is definitely another Nintendo thing, and it, yeah, it did originate on the GameCube. Um, but yeah, it's weird, actually, because I hadn't played the original three before, and when I went in, actually, I will talk about Pikmin. <laughs> I didn't know what this was. Yeah. I didn't know what the genre was. Like, I kind of vaguely knew, like, there's, like, vague strategic elements, so you're sort of, like, grouping Pikmin together and telling them to go do things, but this is pretty much a three 3D platformer that kind of plays a, just like a Mario, like a standard 3D Mario, apart from that you are allocating Pikmin to go do various tasks, and you're sort of just gathering up different treasures to fuel your home base, to make more Pikmin, to do more stuff, to solve more puzzles, and then some of them are elemental-based, and sometimes there are enemies on the field that you need to throw like tons of Pikmin at so that they all whittle them down, and then you harvest the corpses, and you put the corpses what? back in your HQ as well. And um, Oh yeah, there's like a weird undercurrent of like darkness to this thing, where you're just harvesting everything, <laughs> and you're, um, you play in in Pikmin 4 you play as your own custom character and you just like guide the Pikmin around you find different ones in the ground and you sort of like make them from your floating flawlic onion home base thing um, to make more Pikmin and you're just it's like a little 3D platformer puzzle game but then like I said there are enemies there are bosses um, and you've kind of got to think about different elements and stuff maybe you chuck 20 ice Pikmin at a thing nice. which freezes them and then you charge through them on your dog nice. and you just shatter them into a billion bits and then they pick up the, the pieces of uh, sinew that are left and you put them back in home base and make more <laughs> Pikmin it's uh, it's brilliant it's it's twisted it's great it sounds almost as twisted as the uh, is it the 
futon, the fulton um, <laughs> mechanism in MGS5. Oh, the just, Fulton recovery the system. Fulton recovery the system. Where you just like kidnap and fork from yeah. the battlefield, and then they're like your loyal <laughs> soldiers after that. Where it's never questioned. No. It's just a mechanic that is deeply dark, and it's like, yep, that's what you do for fifty hours. All the dudes, because the whole like setup of this is that Captain Olimar, who I think was the main character in the original. I only know Olimar from like Smash Brothers, but he's like this little dude with a helmet on. He journeys to what is assumedly Earth. It looks a lot like Earth. Yeah. Um, and then he's like stranded there. And then you're, there's a rescue team that gets sent out to rescue him. They all crash as well. And then you come out as your, your, your custom dude and you're finding all the rescue team, but you're still trying to get to Olimar eventually anyway. Listen, I don't it's think a, it's a, a coincidence that this game is released the week that we learned about UFOs and alien species, <laughs> is all I'm saying. I think the evidence is there. They were Pikmin all along. Um, but yeah, so the way that they all the... They're not, they're not humans. Whatever the non-Pikmin characters are, your little dudes okay. in your astronaut suits and everything, um, you the way they talk about Pikmin is like, hey, they, they, they want to do all this stuff. They want to just help. They want to just do things like that. And you have a dog called Ochi oh. that you can jump on and ride around. He's not really a dog, so he's got any front legs, but... <laughs> he's very much a dog anyway it's a weird thing but um but yeah it's like it's very unique it's very like the nearest adjacent thing is like a 3d platformer but then it also has all these rts elements yeah. then you do have all the combat stuff in there where you can bite things as your dog and um, but you're mainly just like throwing pikmin in all directions and all their <laughs> ai just takes care of the rest of it like they pick up stuff next to them or and um, they attack enemies or whatever it is and uh, and you can split your groups up you can send your dude can go out in one direction your dog can go somewhere else with groups of pikmin on both sides so and do some sort then. of pincer movement yeah it's great yeah, it's really cool. I think I've sunk like, I don't know, five, six hours into it. It's wow. been, my, been my train game for the last few days, uh, back see. and forward to work. And then I sort of just sat and played it most of, I think it was like Saturday um, or whatever day. And um, yeah, I've made good headway into it. It's just that like the community is like, oh, it's extremely long. This is it. And Be so, yeah. Over the weekend, I've been playing the game that I can't mention. And yes. I've also been watching like a lot of movies. It's so much popcorn. At the same time on a smaller screen though? Um, no, nev never at the same you time. Should do I'm that. not eating popcorn at home for once. What do you I mean? mean? I don't mind eating popcorn yeah. at home, but I'd prefer to get it at the cinema. You know? I do prefer it, but they, the markup is ludicrous. I know, but as Tom Cruise said, I love my movies, popcorn movies. No, actually, he said I love my popcorn. <laughs> already messed that up. Dead Reckoning's terrible, so it doesn't matter. Oh, I've not seen it well, yet because there's too many movies out is the problem. And there's apparently too many games out. You know, yeah. On top of this game that I cannot talk about, I've ordered Fight Club, the game, from you did, uh, the yeah. second hand store. Yeah. I'm going to play that. Oh. You taught me that Fred Durst? Durst? <laughs> Fred Durst. <laughs> What's he called? <laughs> Fred Durst. No, keep Keep going, what's his name? Fred Durston. Oh, you're Fred so close. Yeah, Fred Durst. Yes. Is it just Durst? Yeah. Durst. I didn't know if Fred there was like Durst. an N in there, like Durst. Um, That's somehow his more academic brother. I don't know why, but Fred Durst. I was laughing at this, right? Because I was like, zone. for some reason, had the taste to play a Fight Club the game, and it was very <laughs> cheap secondhand, so I ordered it, and then did what I do after I order games or sometimes before, and that's go to howlongtobeat.com yes. to figure out how long it will take me to beat the game. 20 minutes. 45. There you go. 45 to finish. I remember it being notoriously the cheap. Game length. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So that's going to be amazing when that <laughs> arrives. And I'll be able to talk about that next week, hopefully. Oh, God. If anyone wants to sort of um, quasi dive in on JB's game club, get a copy of Fight Club between well, now and next Monday. This is it, right? If you like, can. As I said last week, I'm going to reiterate it until it's done. This is a free hit month. We're playing <laughs> whatever the hell comes our way. We're playing whatever weird stuff arrives in our brain, and I'm endorsing all of it. So let me Don't know. Don't you what bring me into this? Uh, yeah, you're playing. Our, we are doing this. You're the one playing the weird body harvesting game, Scott Tilford. <laughs> so let me know on Twitter or wherever you want to let me know uh, about what weird stuff you're playing this month, if indeed you are. God, the Fight Club game was uh, was a whole thing back in, what, 2004, well, three, two? This is it. It completely 
was over my head, a uh-huh. bit too young for it. You know, I hadn't seen Fight Club at that time. So mm. no one in my young circles were talking about Fight Club the game. If anything, we were talking about the Rocky Balboa game, which is our fighting game Oh my choice. God, yeah, the Bruce Lee one was great as well. I'm just thinking of random tie-ins from like 2002. Yeah, I want to play them all. I want to play them all. <laughs> you, at some point, you should get through all of them. Um, I don't know what the hell we were talking about. Pikmin's good time. I would recommend it. I think you'd probably hate it though because it's Nintendo and it's cute. I, for the most part. I don't mind cute. As long mm. as the cute has a bit of... You like, don't like Kirby though? No, but he doesn't have any... Well, he does have some weirdness to him because he swallows everything, doesn't yeah. he? He's like a... You've he, referred to Kirby as a quote-unquote freak. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Little I freak. don't know. I don't know. Maybe because... I don't know what it is This about is like Kirby. the opposite of Kirby because Kirby sucks everything up, Pikmin yeah. all outwards. The thing is, I, like, I want Kirby to die. You know what I mean? Like, I, hope, I hope that <laughs> He's guy already dead inside. gets like obliterated off Why? the face of the planet. I don't really? know, just something about him I don't trust, whereas <sighs> the Pikmin are more my people. Yeah, you could sort of wake up in the morning and Kirby would be on your feet. Exactly. And you just sort oh, yeah, of slowly get like a big, like a giant snake. He really, really yeah, would. Like a sentient blanket just sort of <laughs> yeah. coming for you. Anyway, um, yeah, in terms of what we're playing, we can't talk about everything, but there's also very little to play unless you're mopping stuff up from earlier in the year. Um, I'm still in my Final Fantasy bubble, still going through Final Fantasy 1. Final Fantasy 1, by the way, incredible. Really? 1987's Final Fantasy 1. Yeah, it's genuinely really, really good. Um, can't recommend the original MSX2 release or the NES release. Um, I can only recommend the Pixel Remaster because they did do so much to it. Like um, like reorchestrating the entire soundtrack, like speeding up, there's loads of different things. You can turn encounters on and off if you want to just choose to uh, grind for a bit. You can boost how much XP you're going to get by a multiplier, so you can pick and choose when you want to grind. Difficulty is way easier because I did play the original back. In, well, it wasn't back in the day. Mm. I wasn't alive, but I did play the original Final Fantasy um, years and years ago, and just barely got out of the first kind of kingdom, the first open area, because that game is very. Um, if you've not made a point of grinding and then going back to the taverns and going to the inns and then grinding some more, you'll just be obliterated. And because you've maybe saved out there, you can't do anything about it. Right. So it's like, okay, restart the game, go again, try and make it work. Um, once that groove hits, though, it's such a Moorish, delightful little RPG. Um, obviously, it's spawned an entire franchise, yeah. but it's very, very charming. I love the music, and the story is super simple. Um, just take care of the evil stuff. You go to different kingdoms, someone tells you there's a vampire blocking an earth crystal, go kill that, go retrieve the princesses. They think she's asleep, get a tonic, wake her up, like just whatever. Jobs are good. Well, jobs are good. Yeah, world saved. But it's great, and the artwork's lush, the music's great. I'm just playing through all of them. I've so far played through Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 4, Final Fantasy 6, Final Fantasy... Uh, one is what I'm in the middle of right now. That's a big stint. That's I've done amazing. all of them so far, and then I, I kind of want to do Final Fantasy V, and then I've done everything. Um, the one that I'm also playing through is Final Fantasy XII, which... I don't know. Tell me more about this because Final Fantasy twelve in the weeks following yes. Final Fantasy sixteen's release, this was the game that people were talking about the most. It is, I yes, think. Yeah, yeah. And I was looking at the art style, <coughs> looking at some gameplay. I think Joe Johnson, our beloved editor and colleague, yeah. Joe Johnson, might have even show me some footage if it's the one I'm thinking Sounds of. Sounds like something he would do. And I thought, like, this looks amazing. I want to play it. Final Fantasy twelve. Is this <sighs> yeah. the one where it's like it's the person in a yellow top? Am I thinking of something else? Uh, yep. are... uh, you're maybe thinking of Titus from Final Fantasy X? Maybe it's a 10, actually. Top. Maybe it's 10. I'm going to do Vaughn some in 12 right now, doesn't so. have a top on at all. I he's a, he's a complete bollocks. He's right a shirtless now. boy, but um, I can't think who you are referring to. I think you'll be, if you search Titus for Final Fantasy X, I think that's who you mean. 12 is the one where they try to get away from turn-based stuff. Um, they did that in 11. It was the MMO one. But then 12, it was like, you're still pausing and allocating stuff to do, but you are you can run your characters around the battlefield. So yeah. it is like a nice kind of snappier version of turn-based combat, but the camera is terrible. Mm. Um, just gets lost behind the characters. St- sticks up against parts of the environment all the time. You can't really see airborne enemies at all. Um, things like that 
that are just a little bit naff. And because the whole, underneath all that, the whole game is predicated on the Gambit system, which is coding series of AI prompts in order. You can turn it all off if you want and then manually just attack and yeah. do whatever you want, like old school Final Fantasy. Um, but the Gambit thing is that you're you know meant to set up all these automated like attack requests. Maybe you can make it. You can make it so it's like, oh, if ally is below thirty percent, use a potion. If um, if there's a high level enemy, prioritize them. If it's you know so you find someone with a fire weakness, do a fire spell. Yeah, whatever you want, you're kind of making it so it plays itself, and that can be satisfying to a degree. There's a dedicated boost button on L one. Yeah, so like you can speed it up to, uh, two or four times. It's just the story is nothing. Tell me more. It well, it's it opens well enough. You've kind of got this like um, political strife thing going on. You've got this kingdom called Arcade that are like um, invading the kingdom that you're in. One of my favorite Lana Del Rey songs, so yes. it's already starting off. I love video fun. games as much as the next book. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, you've got this whole thing where you're in this occupied city, the Arcadia's coming in, they've taken over, they want to do a whole parade to announce the new ruler, and you play as Vaughn, you're sort of like in the midst of the underworld, is trying to like figure out what's going on. The game also opens on a big plot twist where it seems like one of the knights is betraying his own kind mm-hmm. um, to support the new invaders or whatever. It's just, that's all great. And then nothing happens for like five or six <laughs> hours. And I started Googling. I was like, oh, when does Final Fantasy XII story get good? And the community response is, it doesn't. Great. It's, that's it. It's kind of just like a kind of a slow burn political thriller without the thrills. There's just political machinations and quite boring combat. And that's it. Well, I'm laughing at right. I finally Googled it. And I was talking about Final Fantasy X. That was the I, I was it. referring to that people seem to like. Yeah. I'm looking at a cover for Final Fantasy XII. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen this before in With my double life. double-bladed logo. That one I've yeah. seen. I'm looking at another one now, though, that I don't know even if it's a... Maybe it was a, a release in a different territory, but they've got, like, a bunch of faces. Like, that's so bad. <laughs> that one sucks. I like the double-bladed guy. That's like the Star Wars one where all, every, the, the cast members are all exploding out of each other. It really is. Um, really to fill is. the whole thing up. Yeah, Final Fantasy XII is one that I, I tried back at launch. I'm a huge Final Fantasy guy, obviously, whatever. Got it back at launch 2006, I think it was. Um, didn't get as far as I have done now, but it's just it's just one of those things where it's it's just such a weird vibe to a game. It's just... it's. It never really gets there. It's like ambling in like third gear, was, and I want it to kick in. Was this the Final Fantasy where things started to kind of go off the rails a little bit? Because <laughs> people seem to enjoy ten. Yeah, like I mentioned, people love there. ten. Um, but I've heard nothing about eleven. I've heard nothing about twelve until mm-hmm. you just mentioned it there. And obviously, thirteen was incredibly divisive yep. and kind of widely hated at the time. Mm-hmm. And then Final Fantasy fifteen was quite divisive as well, and mm-hmm. fourteen was obviously online, and that was terrible at launch. But then it's really good now. So where did it all <laughs> kind of start going a little bit? All over yeah, the place. Yeah, you, you could totally pinpoint 12 as that. I mean, I think 11 is the one, obviously 11 was the first online one. You needed the PlayStation, the was modem it? for PS2. Of course it was, yeah. So that was the one where people like me were like, well, I just can't get on it. Like, I'm not going to pay, I think you had to pay a monthly fee for it or something. It was like, I could see them trying something. And because they made that a numbered installment, that you could argue that was the point where the dedicated fandom were like, well, you just priced us out of this. Or like, this just isn't what we want. And that's not what we're going to Final Fantasy for. Like, we don't want World of Warcraft or whatever. And then 11 dies. And it was like, okay, we're going to bring it back to the, the home consoles and then we change the combat entirely and yeah. then the story is nowhere near the same kind of um, you know level of adventure or swashbuckling kind of tone that like the other ones have um, and then yeah it's, it's pretty much that and then 13 was like a complete nightmare of a development and then like the game that came out for 13 12 and 13 have their fans but like 
I, they're not accessible Final Fantasies. Mm. Um, 13 especially is the one that just takes just forever to get going. And it's like in both games' cases, more in 13, the nomenclature that they're using, the like terminology to describe the world is just gobbledygook. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just a complete mess of all these different terms about fallen gods and who's actually watching us. And they're all referred to different terminologies that all end in like LC. So it's yeah. like FALC and FC and whatever. And it's it's Kingdom Hearts territory to some degree. This is It's just one uh, of those things where like it's a mess. This is my sickness though, yeah. right? I think I was talking on a podcast or maybe even a list we did so much last week, I can't remember, <laughs> about um, games who have that have an aesthetic that just appeals to me instantly. Mm. I think I was talking about Blasphemous One where I right. saw that game and needed to play it. Mm-hmm. Even though you and everyone else tells me so many bad things about Final Fantasy Thirteen, oh. I look at that game and I think I need it is beautiful. to play this yeah. for the way it looks and the, these character designs and these level designs. It just has something Not the level it. design. From a, well, from the... The artistic yes. level design in terms of how those environments are Because the way that game gut punches you is that, yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's still beautiful today. Like The character designs in 13, I would say, are way better than 12, even though I love the overall art direction of 12. And the faces in 12 just look bad. Like, mm. to me, they all just look... Everyone looks like they have their same face. Like, if you drew, like, a line around eyes, nose, and mouth, it's like you've just taken that middle bit and put it on everyone. Right. It just looks really weird. Um, but, yeah, 13 looks absolutely gorgeous. The reason people like me hate 13 is because it doesn't live up to how absolutely stunning the opening is and how old awesome the various characters are. Like, I like Snow, Troy Baker's Snow, and Lightning and everything. Like, they're cool, like, as a squad, but, like, again, game plays itself. Everything yeah. kind of just is automated, and the level design, quote-unquote, is just corridors. I remember seeing that after 16, people being like, oh, you know, we were all right about 13. Like, no, no, no. The corridor bits are the bad bits. <laughs> like, that's not, that doesn't mean the 13 was, like, ahead of its time. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just bad. It's still bad in 16. Um, but, yeah, whatever. I, I'm still in a Final Fantasy bubble. I would still recommend Final Fantasy 1 above 12. <laughs> wow. Uh, the Pixel Remaster. And um, the Final Fantasy 1 Pixel Remaster is legit incredible. Like, it's yeah. extremely well made. Um, and when you remember just how, like, how much they were doing for 1987, giving you a ship to fly around in and giving you an airship, all these different things, it's really, really cool. Um, we should pivot into some new stuff, though, because um, before August kicks in and the games arrive again. Oh, my God, August kicks in tomorrow. <laughs> it kind of does. Um, with, yeah, various games that we did a podcast on last week, all the stuff that's coming in August, and we'll have a overall most anticipated list soon. There is so much coming in August. A ridiculous you amount out that, of stuff. Um, if you checked out that podcast, we were originally going to do it as... Um, you know, chronicling everything that mm. was going to come out in the second half of 2023. Mm-hmm. And then we went an hour on <laughs> August releases and thought that would be absolutely ridiculous. So we're going to do monthly breakdowns instead because there's yes. just so much coming out yeah. between now and uh, the end of the year. We do have the overall most anticipated games of the rest of 2023 thing yeah. that'll be getting turned around. So just keep your eye on the on the feeds, on the video feeds, on the audio feeds. And we'll talk about some new stuff right now because um, this is just something to touch on. There is a Nintendo Switch leak doing the rounds once again. Um, I I feel like there's a one of them every couple of weeks, but this one is hilarious as to how on point it is. Um, you have Chinese console manufacturer um, Hong Sun Industry saying that they're expecting an increase in revenue at the start of next year uh, before April. That is weirdly <laughs> specific. Something's going to happen at the beginning of next year before April that would benefit um, all the different components for consoles that they make. Also, circuit manufacturer Pixar, um, Pixar Imaging, they recently did a business report, and this is where it gets extremely on the nose. Um, they said that they have an upcoming Japanese game machine that will be launched early next year and the company that makes it has been absent for many years. Or the idea of a console from them has been absent for many years. Uh, the game machine is also one of the key customers for Pixar. And Pixar worked uh, with Nintendo on the Nintendo Switch and the Wii. So it's unless like it's Sega or something, it's unless Sega's getting back at the console market, it's these, Nintendo. These rumors have been ramping up over the past like 
three or four weeks, Scott, and I think this is the most blatant one yet, like you said. <laughs> I cannot believe that, you know, by the time this machine comes out, if it is before April next year, mm. it'll have been seven years since the original Switch came out, which oh is kind God. of nuts in and of itself. Uh-huh. I'm all for a new Switch, even though I don't play my original all that much. I like the idea of having a more powerful version of it because that's the reason I don't play it, right? Mm. When I was playing Tears of the Kingdom, as I've banged on about so much now, part of the reason why I couldn't get into it as much as Breath of the Wild was that Tears just felt so far behind technically in right. terms of in terms of its graphical presentation compared to the Xbox and PlayStation 5 games that I'm playing right now that mm-hmm. it was a little bit disappointing for me. So I kind of want to see what Nintendo can do with these franchises that I love with that extra bit of power, especially mm-hmm. on the handheld itself because I didn't jump in on the OLED switch, which I kind of wish I did because I love the way that thing looks. So I hope the screen itself, if they do indeed do the hybrid thing, you, you got to assume they will. Mm-hmm. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, has that kind of level of fidelity that you expect from mm. these more modern handhelds in even Nintendo's own newest iterations of its handhelds. I always thought that the uh, OLED Switch, I'm sure it was um, Jason Schreier was one of the many people who said that the, the next Switch was in production. We had various sort of uh, industry manufacturers saying that they had various components that were coming together for it, and then it just didn't happen. I personally just think that was because of the pandemic, and I always think that if I'm Nintendo, I have all these new screens, I have sort of like half a system coming together, this various design spec of what this next system's going to be and obviously the tech industry fluctuates so much in terms of what like a you know like a uh, the best tech the best processors to go for um i think the switch has a tegra which is like at the time was like this big smartphone processor thing um but yeah it's one of those things where i, I always thought that the oled switch was just this kind of like let's just cobble together what we can 
because um, idiots like me will buy it anyway, do and you, they might as well just do that as a half step. Do you think they're saving the new, the, the next big 3D Mario for this announcement? Because obviously they have Super Mario Wonder out yeah. later on this year, you know, like the proper follow-up to Odyssey. Do you think they'll wait and announce that maybe at the end of this year, maybe as a launch game or coming a few mm. months after the next Switch drops? I don't really know how Mario development works. I'm not intimately familiar well, they, with that, but it has been a long time since Odyssey. So yeah, I'm yeah. I actually, I really love that they've kind of, they're bookending the Switch with Mario and Zelda, because it's like you've got, uh, in terms of full release years, like you started with Breath of the Wild and Odyssey and you're ending on Tears of the Kingdom and Wonder. Yeah. So um, I would assume that in, through that lens, you're classing Wonder as a main Mario. Like it very much is a main Mario. Like it's Super Mario term. Like it is the next yeah. main Mario. Um, so I don't know if they then wait another six or whatever it is. Yes. Oh, really? Um, I don't know. They've not done, they like, the last time they did a dedicated like new 2D Mario was the new Super Mario Brothers of like 2011 or whatever it was on the Wii U. Um, or 2012 or something. Um, but yeah, they seem to alternate. They've never really got in their own way by doing like a new 2D installment and then a new 3D installment the, the year after. Interesting. Because they do deserve, and they are their own thing. Like Incredibly it's, disappointing for me personally. Oh, <laughs> I could not be more psyched for Wonder. Like that's that's the thing. I'm pleased it's happening. Yeah. I, I love that it's Looks a gorgeous. thing. Um, I just, if, if its existence makes me wait six or seven years, like you said, for a... For another like big 3D Mario, then I will be upset. <laughs> you've got a whole, you've got 30 years of stuff to play. Go back and play like you got 64, you got Sunshine. I played 64. Galaxy. I own Sunshine. I tried Galaxy, couldn't get into Galaxy. Oh. I need to really go back to Galaxy. Couldn't get into Galaxy. It really hurt me head. It really hurt my what head trying to understand the perspective. And that was just a <laughs> it is, limitation it is. that I have. It's like a, a bodily limitation. <laughs> like people who get like. Um, what's it called, uh, nauseous and motion right. sick when they play VR. I was playing through Galaxy for the first few hours thinking, I'm going to get a headache. <laughs> and it's such a shame because everyone loves Galaxy and especially Galaxy 2, but oh, I'm, I need to try that again when uh, <laughs> when I don't have a stunken <laughs> headache. No, you are right. I remember when Galaxy first came out and I didn't have a, um, a Wii or whatever at the time. Still don't. And it was one of those things where I looked at it being played, being like, this looks so weird, all the shrunken planet stuff, like trying to get used to like, yeah, momentum and gravity and the, and the pull of it and everything. Um, um, but yeah, I, uh, I'd imagine that unless they break the rules, the rule that they have is is a Mario game every year, but that can be Mario Golf, Mario Aces, whatever it is. Um, so, and they did the Mario Battle League last year. So it's like there's always a Mario thing every year, but because they've done, because they have Wonder coming this year, I don't think they'll do a 3D one for four or five years or this something, unless the they really start overhauling it. Worst news <laughs> I have received all week, and it's only Monday. Because the whole thing that's rumored in terms of, the, because they did, Kirby went 3D, there was the there is the rumor of the Donkey Kong game going 3D, like a full, kind of like Donkey Kong 64, like doing like a new version of that. So they take their time with their flagship IP, which I love them for. And I mean, they're like running Mario's and IP into the ground, but I mean, it's, it's sustaining. It's not going into the ground. It's yeah. very much shouldering all that expectation. Um, but no, like Mario Wonder is the purest, best Mario you could get. Hurts me, it does. It really oh, does. Enlightenment is oh. just on the corner. I used to play the 2D Marios when I was younger because um, it was what my cousins used to have. So mm-hmm. we always used to go through them, especially, I think it was one of the re-releases um, that kind of bundled a few together where you could like play it co-op as well. I okay. can't remember, but everyone seemed to have it on the Wii. I completely forgot and That'll just be the called. new Super Mario Bros. Because you can that was, it. Yeah. that was oh, it. Mar- that was it. Mario Land. Uh, sorry, um, there's like 3D Land and 3D World. This was, I think, was the new Super Mario Bros. Okay, whatever okay. one that was. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember playing that all the time. And there's just games that aren't for me. Could never right. get into them, probably because I didn't grow, grow up with mm. them. And when it comes to like those 2D platformers, um, I'd always opt, opt for something else. <laughs> they played well enough, but not enough to kind of grip me. Oh, and yeah. I was always more intrigued by the fully 3D 
Yeah, Mario yeah, games. yeah. I, I used to be a big 3D preferer of uh, 3D Mario, but I, 2D's the way. 2D's better than 3D. Oh, it's crazy. Across the gaming industry, I don't know what you want from me. 2D's better than 3D. You can do more in 2D. Bloody hell. <laughs> I don't even believe that. I just think that the responsiveness you get from 2D can be so on the point satisfying. There's just something yeah. about the fluidity. I'm, I'm mainly coming off finally finishing Gravity Circuit, just yes. thinking gameplay doesn't get better than that. <laughs> G- gameplay itself doesn't get better than that game. Like, you're not going to, nothing feels as good as that game. Um, but still, yeah, Mario itself. Um, but I'm curious what they do because I always thought they would hang back on Zelda and Mario and then do the the new system with both of them. But I guess it's encouraging because now that they forced Days of the Kingdom onto the Switch and they're doing Mario Wonder, which does look really, really gorgeous, um, whatever the, whatever's next, then that's the next big leap, like something that's developed for the next Switch system. What do you think they will have then to launch the Switch 2 with? Because they need something, I, I yeah. think. I mean, and it'll sell anyway, but mm. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have a really good launch game or at least something to look forward to in the launch window. I think, I actually don't think they'll have an, I don't know, because like I said, you've burned your Zelda and Mario cards. You've done them for the Switch. The momentum for Nintendo overall is like sky high. Like the Mario movie was this year. Um, You know, the the, the Switch is still selling ludicrously well. So I think that pivot has to be quite soft. So I don't don't think you cut off Switch owners. I think you make it backwards compatible and you just do a series of updates for like Mario Odyssey, all the, like both the Zeldas. You finally released the Wind Waker HD thing and it plays and it runs better than ever. You do all that soft stuff. This just feels... soft console upgrades. Oh my God, you are, you are actually spitting some venom at me today. <laughs> Everything that you're saying That's is... That's not what I personally want. I want the next Nintendo thing. Yeah. And finally we get a new Star Fox for the love of God. Yes. But it's, I don't think you're going to get much more than that. Man, I, like, I think you've got to at least have something. I, mm. I agree that. We thought that about the Switch and they didn't have it. Like True, they, but at least you yeah. had stuff to look forward to in that first year. Like you had Breath you said, of the Wild, to be fair, but it was, on, it was on Wii U. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But you had Breath of the Wild, you had Odyssey to look forward to. I'm yeah. not talking about necessarily day one. I'm right. talking about like that launch window, the mm-hmm. first few months, or even until the end of the year, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, like the holiday season. I feel like they've got to have a big hitter, surely, then. Otherwise... Yeah, they could soft launch it. They definitely probably will make things backwards compatible, like mm. you said, to ease that transition. But there's easing a transition, and then there's just not marketing your new console, <laughs> in my opinion. If for as much as we slag off um, the launch of the PlayStation 5 and the Series X, at least they knew they had to have strong launch lineups. And for me, the PS5 in particular had strong exclusives at launch with the likes of Demon Souls and Miles Morales. I know that was cross-exclusive, but you know what I mean? They no, had true. these big games. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like Nintendo, even if they do an easy transition, I've got to have something. I Yeah, man, that's one of those things where I, I, my mind went towards, like, Shigeru Miyamoto is 70 now. And I remember, like, Todd Howard talking about, like, oh, I've only got so many more games in me at this point. Like, more Todd Howard, obviously Bethesda's Todd Howard, more talking about by the time they do Fallout 5 and Elder Scrolls 6, that might be it for him. And so it's that thing of, like, and um I think it's Masahiro Sakurai, I forget his first name, um, the Smash Brothers creator, saying that, like, you know, I'm done. Like, I've done as much as I can with Ultimate. Um, I'm done with this IP. So you've kind of got this next, either either the next generation of Nintendo creatives who have been with the company for so long, who maybe trained someone under them, who maybe have been training someone under them for so long, um, or this is their bow-out era. Mm. And obviously Sak- um, Sakurai is nowhere near the age of um, Miyamoto, but, like, Miyamoto was involved in Pikmin 4. And I remember seeing his name on the credits going, like, well, that's cool, because I don't think he's been directly involved in the creation of a game 
Um, he is with Zelda and everything, but in terms of like, I don't know, it felt like he was a more direct role this time. And um, like Asia Numa is the dude for the new Zeldas. And so it's one of those things where like, maybe this is his last system. Like, mm. I truly hope not, but like, it's one of those things where I'm terrified of a world of, of Nintendo without Miyamoto. Like, I just feel there are so many business and they're businessy anyway, but there are so many business tendrils, um, assumedly lapping at the door, clawing at the windows of Nintendo every day, monetize this more, do this more, do whatever. And they do some of it, but I think Nintendo without Miyamoto's oversight, like this carefully curated, kind of like yeah. what um, Hidetaka Miyazaki is to FromSoft, um, or Hayao Miyazaki is to Studio Ghibli. Like you have these like aging, like creatives. And it's I think we're getting into that age where they're addressing it. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just curious, like, cause it's like, I say all of this to be, you know, is Miyamoto gonna launch a new IP? They haven't had a new IP since Splatoon. So it's like, do you get a new IP that only works on this system? Maybe. I know what you mean. Like Nintendo obviously has a lot of bad business practices right now that mm. like we, we call out, but I think it gets away with a lot of that stuff because like you said, the the library that's coming out from Nintendo is curated. It is mm. of a high quality. You look forward to those games mm -hmm. and it is kind of worrying to imagine potentially a Nintendo that maintains those business business practices or maybe even increases their approach to how aggressive they are with them mm -hmm. whilst losing the quality of the games, perhaps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of... Not ideal. It's a, it's a very curious time, or it will be a very curious time in the industry. But yeah, in terms of like trying to think like what one game would sell the new system, it'll sell itself regardless. And I feel like they, they've they done that before when they did the new 3DS. It didn't have a game that only worked on the 3DS. They yeah. hung emulation on it. It was like, if you want to play Super Nintendo games, it only works on the new, even though those would have worked on a phone. It was just like, I think they'll do something stupid like that, where oh. it's like, you know, the GameCube games, maybe the archive for GameCube games is only available on the new system. That would be such Something a shame. that rewards the idiots like me but doesn't mean you have to fork out another 400 pounds or I, I want to see a new Mario Kart game that I have to fork out that all could be this a money for you know what mm. I mean I want it to justify its existence with a new Mario Kart something big where it's got this mass appeal and I think I need to get <laughs> in on this now to play this at Christmas Mario Kart is a really good shout because they've I think the uh, most recent um Season pass stuff that just dropped is the last part of that, and they announced that about two or three years ago. Um, obviously, hyper extending that game's development. It's been the same Mario Kart since like 2014. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, I mean, it's perfect. That's the thing. It's like, what do you even do with it? Like, yeah. are you gonna do Double Dash again? Like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just curious about that. I don't. I don't know. I, I kind of just trust in Nintendo. Like, they, they stumble a lot, but there's always a level of charm there. There's always a level of authorship to it um, that I have to imagine from the very top comes from the likes of Miyamoto and Doug Bowser and whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. In theory, if this stuff is right, the next Switch will be here by April at the latest next year. Yeah, so, give me, gives me something to save up for, Scott. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> Try to carve out a little space under the couch for it. Yeah. <laughs> put it to the side. Um, this is a hilarious thing coming from Hasbro, um, who want the classic Transformers games to be put on Game Pass. Um, once the Activision acquisition is complete, uh, the Microsoft Activision acquisition, which has been approved over in America, but hasn't been approved in the UK just yet. It's apparently going to go through um, in August. It got pushed back, but various territories have already signed off on it. It's definitely happening. Um, and Hasbro stepped in there. Um, and a Hasbro representative um, highlighted the fact that a very good addition to Game Pass would be all the classic Transformers games. I remember the one that was on PS2. I know a lot of people love different ones or whatever, and it was always licensing the cut in the way, or at least that's what we thought. Hasbro themselves have said, sadly, Activision's not sure what hard drives they're on in their building. 
<laughs> when a company eats a company that eats a company, things get lost and that's very frustrating. Hope is now that the deal is moving forward with Microsoft and Xbox that they'll be able to go through all of the archives and find every hard drive to find it all because it's an easy Game Pass ad. We want those games back up for people that, um, to have a chance to play. This actually isn't as alien as you think. Um, no. It's funny because I remember when Square lost Final Fantasy VIII um, for about 10 years. Just um, everyone was because they remastered 7 and 9 and 10. Um, and 12. And then everyone was like, where's 8? And they were like, we don't know. It's, yeah. It's, it's somewhere. It's yeah. definitely somewhere. And then they eventually found, or they used a, I think they had to rely on, on a, a fan mod and they brought that in and remastered that or something. There was some stupid gubbins that they actually just lost their own game. If you're like ever interested in the state of video game preservation, <laughs> just look at that quote and that kind of sums up just how ramshackle everything it is where it's like, you have a oh. bunch of these games and it's, they're on a hard drive somewhere yeah. in Pushing a building for like, that might get shut down when it gets acquired by another conglomerate. The fact that someone could just pick up, like, pick up all the Transformers games. Where, yeah. have, you, where have you put that? Like a set of keys. Yeah. Where, where have you put that? I don't know. Just like, put them down. Put the, put the Transformers IP down somewhere. Have you checked beneath the couch? Come on, please. <laughs> Next to the Switch. Go on. Yeah. It'll, uh, it'll be where you left it. It's funny because it reminds me of there was a story doing the rounds recently when there was, I think, a reshuffle and people got fired from, I want to say, Pixar, mm. where they were talking about how I think they sacked a woman who was in charge of um, saving Toy Story 2 because that was a similar situation where they lost the hard drive with it on. Right. And she was like the only employee. I that was her one job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was very high up in the company, but she just so happened to be uh, the one employee, I think, right. who kind of had a backup version of it. It was like, thank God we <laughs> have this a dongle backup. on a set of keys. Yeah. Otherwise, we've lost all of that work. It's just digital production like this is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talked about video game preservation a few weeks ago, I omitted I the fact that, to me... Video games as an industry right now remind me of the early days of film. Like, we talk about mm. how well-preserved a lot of movies are today. It's not perfect by any means, but, you know, they have systems in place to make sure a lot of this stuff is maintained well and mm. it's kept uh, so future generations can experience it. But in, like, the early days of film, it was the Wild West, you know? <laughs> reels were going up in fires. Reels were getting left all over the place. And as a result, there were so many movies from, like, the dawn of cinema as an industry that we just know nothing about. Mm. We have maybe a few still images. If we're lucky, we might have a, a bunch of damaged film from the production, but nothing, because so many of them were just mistreated and mishandled. Mm. And that reminds me of the era that we're in with games now where it's a huge industry, people are loving it, but it doesn't have that kind of maybe respect or certainly not the infrastructure to Mm. maintain all of this stuff as it should be. And hopefully we get to that point, but I worry that it will repeat the mistakes of film where it does get to that point, but it means anything in its formative years for the first few decades is hit or miss. It's it's most of it's lost, most of it's damaged, most of it is inaccessible. I think there's such an assumption as well that these things don't exist in physical space, that they exist on a, a cloud ser- or a server in general, like some sort of like, you know, impenetrable, it's under lock and key, like, you know, like the history of gaming is right there and no one will ever delete it. The fact that you could just delete these entire games, that they do have a, a physical space and files on a hard drive and whatever. I think that, like I said, there are other cases of it. The one that comes to mind is the Final Fantasy one, but I know there's been other cases of that in gaming history, like um, just having games on uh, USBs and hard drives and everything. Um, but yeah, this whole thing, um, Hasbro themselves obviously wanting to, like the most recent Transformers movie was a bit of a bomb. So it's like the Transformers IP is in a little bit of a lull. And it's like, you might as well make them available. There's a whole nostalgic part of that that would do extremely well. Um, for me, like, I just want Raven back. Yeah. I just want Raven freed from the COD cages um, to do something new again. And if you're going to go through the archives for the love of 
Jesus himself puts singularity on Game Pass. Yes. It's just one of the best games that, I mean, Alpha Protocol is not them, but Alpha Protocol is like more buggy, but that game was ambitious AF. Just put those classics on there. This is it. Transformers isn't necessarily my franchise. I know there are a bunch of games uh, in that series that people really, really loved. Mm. I think a lot of them that, that were made by High Moon High Studios. Moon, yeah, yeah. Um, but to me... Hasbro is right in that not only should they get Transformers back on the service, they should get all of those licensed games yeah. back on the service. Give us Spider-Man. Give us all of those Marvel games. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to make a deal of this magnitude, renew those licenses, go back to those contracts, get those games that people have a lot of nostalgia for, mm-hmm. people have a lot of love for, and whack them on Game Pass. Because yeah. not only is it good for video game preservation, it's good because those games are good. And I want to be able well, to talk about them and not have to point people towards the direction of like a £40 secondhand copy. But the thing is, like, I've seen there's a few different ways that people are approaching this. Like, I've seen a lot of people, a few people have got in touch with me and recommended Antstream Arcade, which, like, Antstream is a website or a service that, like, catalogs um, old school games that you can stream. And Antstream Arcade or Antstream Anthology, whatever it's called, on Xbox, and it's only on Xbox, does have Mortal Kombat 1 and all these, like, an Earthworm Gym and all these, like, old games on there, but they're not uh, downloaded, they're streamed. Mm. And so that put me off because I, I need the responsiveness, especially in 2D games, because I better, I needed to be um, a lot more responsive. And so I wasn't that bothered about that, but that's one way to do it and when you look at the list of games that Anstream have got they include like licensed stuff like Earthworm Jim so I'm like okay that kind of conversation must have happened unless the terms of that original contract were more about downloadable games as opposed to streaming maybe that's the loophole I'm not sure and so that's one thing the other one is the approach well there's a few but like there's the Konami's one where they're just putting the TMNT collection together or the Castlevania collection and you can just you know it's just like it's a launcher with six games on it and you just go through them kind of like Nintendo's own Mario Trilogy thing from a few years ago that they then took off fair sale. <laughs> but then, for me, the best way to do it is the Atari 50 one. You go back to the people who made it and you interview them and you talk about it and you celebrate that era. Right. Like, if you got people from Hasbro or some of the devs, High Moon, like, or Raven, or whoever it is, get them on board and have it as, like, this awesome fan package that makes it way more recommendable. And there's mm. enough... That's so easy to put together. Like, a, a lot of those people, assumedly, will still be easily reachable. I just think you might as well celebrate it. I cannot recommend the Atari 50 package enough. Like, yeah. it's such a great slab of gaming history. And they, it's it's half, chatty face, style documentary, half playable history. And it's like, why not do that? Like, yeah. why not walk that line? You have the access to it. I want both. I want the originals and I want a lovely package version like right. that with all the bells and whistles where mm-hmm. we do celebrate them and we do look at the people who actually made them because mm-hmm. I think licensed games in particular um, are so just kind of discarded. Like they yeah, were content yeah. before content was a thing, you know? <laughs> like they were given these ridiculous turnarounds to these developers who sometimes didn't have any experience and mm. they were just kind of told to, you know, fart them out and essentially get these out in time for the movies. Mm-hmm. Even, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember who said this, but like some movie executives being on the record. I think it might be when Marvel were making games. Right. And it was kind of just viewed as an extension of the movie's marketing rather than its own piece of art or its own mm. product. It was just there to promote the movie. But that said, just because they have that kind of context doesn't mean that the people who didn't work on them were passionate about the IP, were passionate about what they were making. Mm-hmm. And great games have managed to flourish under those difficult um, conditions. And I think those success stories, like you said, and even the ones that aren't success stories, are worth talking about, are worth championing, are worth archiving in that way. 
Some of the, my favorite little documentary type things are, like I said, in the Atari 50 thing, they massively just go in on how ludicrous the Jaguar was and why it failed and talk about all the things they got wrong and why Atari died for all those years, all the ET stuff, etc. Um, and then I also love Xbox's own, when they did their 20th anniversary documentary, it's on their official Xbox channel. They have a whole bit about how much they messed up the Xbox One and how they got everything wrong and, and whatever else. You can celebrate that stuff. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you know, why not? Um, and in Transformers case or Hasbro's case, it would assumedly only lead to... Uh, a better bolstering of the brand. If you want to go down the really cold PR marketing side of it, um, it would celebrate that brand. Like it's, it's just one of those things where I just, I wish that side of preservation was done a lot more, like re you know, re-inject the human side of it. Like these people did make these games. I would love the amount of stories you get out of people turning those things around. Like, um, like you said, someone making the Bugs Life game and they've got like two weeks yeah. or whatever. And it's like, what, we, what version of the uh, film was available? What were you going off? What notes were you given? Like those are all great stories. Um, anyway, speaking of great stories, Somehow, this has been the wind-up. I've been Scott Tilford. <laughs> oh, that's, that's an abrupt ending. Josh Brown. Jump scared. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. <laughs> Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you throughout the week. Wow. Goodbye. Consider me wound up. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.